Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. Our host for today's episode is Nathan Oblak. Welcome everyone to the podcast for cultural reformation. I'm Nathan Oblak and I'm joined by Dr. Joe Boot and Ryan Aris. And uh, before we get into today's discussion, I just want to very quickly mention and remind our listeners that our H. Eben Runner International Academy is coming up uh, very soon, June 5th to the 15th in Golden, British Columbia. And uh, go ahead and check out our website, ezrainstitute.ca, for details on the program. And it's our most comprehensive program. It's for students and young professionals. Uh, we're trying to equip them with a biblical worldview and a cultural apologetic that they can bring back into their cultural sphere of influence. And uh, I would just mention that this is a group that's uh, normally a bit strapped for cash. So please consider sponsoring someone you think might benefit from the program. And uh, you can con- contact us at info at ezrainstitute.ca, and we can walk you through that that process. And uh, I mentioned this last week already, but our Worldview Youth Academy, it's nearly sold out. Uh, it's in the middle of July, and here we are beginning of February, nearly sold out. So if you want uh, uh, your teen involved in this program we're running in the summer, you'd have to sign up very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, as for today's discussion, we are very, very excited to be joined by our good friend, John Cooper. He's the lead vocalist. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing a bit of headbanging to some Joe, skillet right Joe's before the podcast. Pumped, that's right. Listening oh, yeah. to uh, d- Dominion. <laughs> oh, that's right. And uh, he's the lead vocalist, the bassist from the rock band Skillet. And we've become very good friends uh, in recent months as uh, we very much appreciated his public ministry, his witness, uh, and his music as well. And uh, it's just great. It's a pleasure to have you on again, John. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so cool to be back. And for anybody that's listening and not watching, I want to make sure that they notice that the, that was Joe Boot. Joe Boot took off his tweed vest and he gave a shout. He, he gave a <laughs> woo. That's, that's what Skillet does to Joe Boot. It's turning right, into right. a crazy oh, yeah. person over there. <laughs> Skillet's got enough class to make, uh, make Joe stride into the mosh yeah, pit. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's great to be here chatting with you guys. And uh, it's cool to be on a Worldview Wednesday. Uh, I'm a fan, as you guys know. I love listening to you. So great to be here. Yeah. No, and awesome. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great again to, uh, to have uh, connected with you over the last little bit. And uh, we're looking forward to having a change in our. Uh, intro music and we expect that to be coming soon and uh joe's kept really quiet about it but again he's we'll we'll uh, wait and see uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) it's just funny timing to have uh to have john cooper on the show and then talk about new intro music yeah maybe we'll just leave it there for now right right (laughs) yes well john uh joe uh he's he's developed some questions for you uh, there's some pretty tough ones there, but we think uh, we think you're up for the challenge. But Joe, why don't you uh, why don't you lob some questions out there for John? This is going to be like a, a, like one of those White House briefings where you get a series of softballs for Joe Biden. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So so we're just going to tee him up for John here. <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> well, we, we want him to talk about the things that he knows, right? That's right. That's that's wonderful. Sounds good to me. Please do it. So John um, Nathan has uh, talked about the band and so on, but you guys have just released a new album. I believe it was uh, January fourteenth. 
uh, with Atlantic Records. The title of the album is particularly intriguing for us. Uh, it's called Dominion, and uh, I mean, there's there's a there's a whole bunch of tracks on here. I mean, it looks like you look down the the names of the songs: uh, um, Destiny, Valley of Death, uh, White Horse, Shout Your Freedom. It sounds like a almost like a series of theological lectures. Um, there's a there's obviously substance to this. Um, why the title Dominion? I mean, it's quite a provocative title in some respects. But why, why this, uh, why this title? Yeah, you know, it's funny when you're writing um, songs because yeah, there, there's quite. Uh, I hate to use the word an art to it, <laughs> no pun intended. But there really is this. Um, there's this thing that you're trying to do because you you want to write something that you believe, something that hopefully has got a deep concept to it. But you have to do it in a way where it can it can mean something on a surface level or it can mean something on a deeper level. And that's sometimes kind of quite hard to do. So I think the skillless music works for people who are not Christian, um, who are not religious at all. They hear some of these songs and they, they, they take these songs to be what they would, they usually call them positive. You know, they're like, man, it's just so positive. It makes me feel good. It's inspirational. Shout your freedom. This is so, you know, whatever. But then when you peel back the layers, I think a person of biblical understanding begins to see what, what these lyrics are really about. And so the title track dominion, and I would say the title of the record dominion is, is precisely that. Um, it is really a celebration of the of the dominion of Christ, the fact that the world does not belong to the devil, and I, as silly as that sounds, I think there's even a lot of of Christians who maybe they wouldn't say the world belongs to the devil, but they live their lives in their mind as if the world belongs to the devil. Like the, there's no hope, there there there's nothing good that's going to happen. We're just here, nothing we can do about it, and so they're they're in this place of pessimism. And the truth is, is that once you get your mind right and you say, no, no, the world does not belong to the devil. The world belongs to, to, to Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of all. And God is in control of what is happening. And he is going to use this for his glory. And he has a purpose to make himself glorified through my life today. To me, that changes the game. Even if, even if my circumstances don't get better tomorrow or next month or next year, to me, the peace is in knowing that God is in control of it and God is going to, to, to use my life to glorify him. That is a great amount of peace. So dominion has all these various layers to it. One of the, you know, one of the other layers to it that I've been saying in a lot of interviews is that we can't control the things outside of us. We can't control a pandemic. We can't control economic downturns and supply chains and all these things going on. But you can bring a measure of control slash authority, dominion to your own mind. If you've been recreated through the death of Jesus Christ, and I now have a brand new nature, then that means through the power of Christ, I can bring authority to my mind because I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to death. I'm not a slave to fear. And so some of that dominion is saying, yeah, I can control pandemics, but I can control what happens in my, my mind and my heart. And so on the deepest level of dominion, which I almost never get to talk about in any podcast because no one cares uh, except for people like you and people that, that watch this, on the deepest level of what dominion is about, it is about a celebration of liberty under God 
And what, once we, um, you know, as, as you've written in your books and as you talk about on, on the podcast that I'm a fan, I've learned a lot from once we sort of b- begin to mix up all these various spheres of authority, the, the state with the church and with self-government and fa- the family, once we begin to mix with all of that, you really just begin to, to serve a tyrannical status government. And, and so on the deepest level of this is a celebration of liberty. If you want to be free, then we need to go back to the, the law of liberty. And so that's kind of what, what that's about. Um, you mentioned there, actually, John, something at, uh, at the beginning of your remarks about the, uh, the sort of the, the, the quality of the, um, the opportunity and, and, the, and, and the quality of the, of the, of art, uh, it's, it's particular character, to, to actually be seen as a positive message, even by unbelievers listening to you as well. And it's often difficult to know always how much actually they're taking in, because um, sometimes it's more than we think. But uh, in our reformational tradition, as you know, we talk about a lot, uh, art is often uh, uh, talked about within the reformed philosophical tradition um, as having an elusive quality. It's not meant to be obvious. It's not meant to uh, simply be... Uh, you know, here's another song about um, somebody praying the sinner's prayer and, and, and getting converted. There are good songs about conversion, but there has to be a quality that draws people in. And when uh, uh, I think it was Lewis and Tolkien talked about myths, stories, um, they're a way of getting past, they said, people's watchful dragons. You can, you can, you can sneak a message past unexpecting people uh, with a story in a way that you perhaps couldn't with a sermon. Is that true, do you think, of Dominion and of your music in general? Are you trying to also get get past those watchful dragons, have the music and and the, the stories told in the these songs? Um, you know, get past people where perhaps they wouldn't sit in for a sermon, they wouldn't sit in for a lecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I think it's it's funny because you're always walking a tightrope when you do Christian music, Christian art. There are some people that feel like, John, if you're not explicitly giving the message of Christ in this song, or if a song is maybe too dark or it's too dreary, they'll say, it doesn't sound like it's about Jesus and you're not really doing anything. And I've always challenged that because those same people would not deny that the world is getting past our watchful dragons with all of their songs that are 99% about sexual revolution, right? You know, you look at songs from the 60s and 70s and 80s, you didn't always know on first listen that song was about sex, that song was about drugs, you know, that song was about, uh, we won't even say the other things it's about. You didn't know that until after you listened to it 30 times and the lyrics have seeped into your mind and one time you sang it out loud Maybe somewhere you shouldn't have sung it out loud, right? Yeah. I don't know if you know what I mean, but it's like... Like I'm in the middle of a chain reaction, it? that kind of song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Or, or it's like your kid, you know? Yeah, you're hanging out and your kid is humming something. Your kid all of a sudden sings something really profane and yeah. you have that, oh my gosh, we're in public. People are going to think I'm a terrible parent. What are you listening to? <laughs> yeah. And all this, you know, most Christians recognize... Well, the world is doing the, the world is doing that. They are using these subliminal messages, getting past our watchful dragons and our watchful ears. Then why can't we do the same thing when we're writing? We're writing songs about Christ. When we're writing songs about freedom. When we're writing songs about the fact. 
that we all feel absolutely alone and isolated for two years. You can't even go see your grandma when she's dying in the hospital because of COVID restrictions. Your kid's still wearing a mask at five years old. All these things are going on. People are hurting. I want to write a song saying there is hope. There is light in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. It doesn't mean that I have to say that light is Jesus Christ, who is the word become flesh and dwelt among us, you know? So I do think that there's an, um, an aspect of this where for me, I have to kind of ignore the critics, do what I feel God has called me to do. And I've seen the fruit of it. I mean, I, and I, I, I'll just give you one story and then I'll shut up on this tour we're on right now. A guy came through a VIP line. He's probably about 50 years old. And he said, he said, I need to tell you, John, 10 years ago, I was addicted to meth. I had never heard of skillet before. I wanted to kill myself. One of your songs came on the radio. It's an older song called Not Gonna Die. Not a Christian song, quote unquote Christian. It's just called I'm Not Gonna Die Time. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not give up. He said that message of not giving up convinced me to check myself into rehab. And over the last 10 years, he got clean from drugs. He met Jesus in his words. He became a Christian. And he said he's committed his life to helping other people in the program. So now he is a counselor at the very addiction uh, thing that, that, that he went to that leads people to Christ and out of addiction. That's all from hearing some silly rock and roll song on a radio station that never says the word Jesus. So the fruit is there. Some people aren't going to understand it, but the people that are moved by music, they understand it really well. And the Christian parents that don't want their kids listening to the world's music, they actually understand it too. They're just not mm-hmm. being consistent, in my opinion. Well, if um, that's, a, that's a fantastic uh, story. If we can be just a little charismatic for a moment and say, praise the Lord, amen, that's a fantastic story, isn't it? <laughs> that, you know, but, that, but that is part of the... Um, that's part of the beauty of of of, of the arts. Um, in terms of the writing of songs at the moment, one of the things that we were discussing here was, you know, for, for you, you've been in this for a long time. It's like, I don't know, it's 25 years or more. Mm. And uh, is this a particularly exciting, interesting time to be writing songs, to be, to be, you know, releasing a new album, given all the cultural upheaval and, Everything that's going on, you know, we could we could say, you know, our culture is in this kind of epochal turning point. You know, it's facing a crossroads. Is this a, you know, when you look back over the last 25 years or so, is this a particularly exciting or interesting time to be writing? I think I'll answer that with a two part. Uh, I think I'll answer this how theologians always answer when they don't want to pick a side. There's tension. <laughs> that's what they always say. There's nuance. <laughs> well, there's tension. It's yes and no. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but yeah, nuance is a great word for that. But but there really is. I mean, in one sense, yes, it's an exciting time because this is like the most we've ever been like radicals, like radical freedom fighters, uh, just by standing up for what I just thought was just sort of like common sense Western civilization ideas, like you know, whatever, natural rights or something, you know, and I just thought that all Christians would be on board. I think what is strange is that even within Christianity, the things that we are saying 
are radical and like freedom fighter type, you know, I, I feel like people look at me like we're picking up a pitchfork or something. And I'm like, no, we're just, we're just preaching the things we've always believed. But there's this moment here where I really do think it's this kind of prophetic rallying cry, almost like John the Baptist. You know, it's like John the Baptist going to Herod and saying, Hey, I, I know you're, you have authority, but just so you know, there's an authority over you and you are breaking his law. You're in sexual immorality. That That's sort of the moment we're in. The other side of it, to be honest, is <laughs> it is kind of scary. I mean, you're at a, you're at a point now that you say one wrong thing in this interview, one thing that's not okay. And you, you might hurt your career. You may end your career. You may be pulled off of social media. You may lose the gigs. And that is a, um, it's a tough line to walk. It's kind of scary. But the exciting thing is, is that it's been for decades I've been asking God, Lord, I want you to use me in my generation. Use me in my generation. Well, that moment's here. What are you going to do about it? That's kind of how I feel. And um, I mean, in the midst of all of that, um, you know, you've got uh, this, 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 this album seems to have a lot of substance. I mean, the writing that you're doing right now is this is this this Dominion album. I mean, if it's been a long journey in Christian music for you, is this a favorite? Is this up there in your uh, is this is this going to be up there in your top two or three? I mean, do you actually have like a favorite Skillet album? Uh, do you have like <laughs> do you have one that you really like more than the others? Right. Where, where does this one kind of land for you, given the kind of cultural moment we're in? Well, I, I will say that I will say because of the moment that we're in, um, I don't think we've ever released a record that I have felt so like this is the album for this moment. This is it's to me, it's like the tip of the spear of what I think that the church should be saying to the world. Um, and 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 through art, I mean, I do think that art very often is the tip of the spear. So I definitely feel that way about the record. I won't say it's my favorite just because they're, they're all my, they're all my babies, but I certainly think that it's in the, it's in the top two or three records we've ever done. I would say theologically, it's probably the most, it's definitely one of the most uh, poignant and I, I think deep theologically albums that we've done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, were there, were there, um, were there any, particular inspirations for this album, John, things that really got you uh, thinking? You know, there's been quite a lot. And, uh, and I know that you would never uh, fish for a compliment, but I don't mind coming on once again and bragging just... <laughs> about uh, Ezra Institute, bragging about uh, Joe. Um, I, I honestly brag about you guys almost everywhere that we go. So just so you know, I did kind I of tee you like, up for uh, that one. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. I, I did sort of tee you up for that one, but <laughs> I, 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 please. <laughs> is, hey, John, is there anyone that wears a tweed jacket that you like? <laughs> is there anyone with a tweed jacket and an English accent who's kind of been involved in inspiring any of these songs? <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, um but you know i bought like i bought 50 of these little books now you have to remind me joe because you you use these words that are too big for me but what do you call those little books that make up your new book monographs Mono, monograph, monographs monograph yeah i bought <laughs> that's right I bought, you got it right <laughs> <laughs> um I, I bought 50 of the one that's called um I believe it's the one that's called for the, for the kingdom. 
Yeah. And, uh, and I gave it to all of my church elders for Christmas. I gave it to all of my nieces and nephews, all of my friends. I brought them on the tour that I'm on because I'm on tour with seven other Christian artists um, who I assume have never heard of Sphere of Sovereignty. They're about to get it. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I bought, I'm giving it to everybody that I know. But, you know, Mission of God was a, a real life changing book for me. And it really brought back to memory some of the books that I read in college that that uh, that were like on similar topics. One of, one of those books that I really loved was a book that was called The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person. And that was by an author called E. Stanley Jones, who, who I think, funny enough, is Methodist. So I, I went back to that book after reading Mission of God. And it's funny to see it's different language. He doesn't use the same language that we use in reform circles, but in a lot of ways, we really are talking about something very, very similar, where we call the design of God, he calls the seed of the kingdom of God and things like that. It's very interesting. So I went back to a lot of those things, and I just found such excitement. Uh, my friend, Dr. James White, who I know you guys obviously know and work with, James White ended up being a, a very much a, a guy that that sort of brought me into a lot of new influences who I had never heard before, Doug Wilson, um, Ezra Institute, and a lot of other various other people. So a lot of that excitement, it, it really got brought back to me, and it reminded me of when I was reading Calvin in college and uh, City of God, you know, Augustine, and just th those kinds of really exciting things. So you're going to see some of those, and I, I just say one last thing. That I know Joe knows, but I want everybody listening. You got to know this. There's a song on the end of our record. It's the last song on the album. It's called White Horse. And uh, I sent Joe Boot and my friend James White a message about six months ago. And I said, man, I want you guys to know I wrote a song. It's uh, inspired by you guys. It's dedicated to you guys as a team. And White Horse is, uh, I don't even really know why. It would take too long to explain. But that's the only song we've ever done like that is from... It's singing from Jesus's perspective, um, and it's dealing very much with uh, basically Jesus judging the world, that sort of thing. So it's a very kind of, I think it's a very cool song, but it's got personal attachments. Well, we're 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 deeply appreciative of that, John, and we're and we're actually genuinely humbled by the fact that we've had uh, some small part to play in 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 uh, encouraging you and, and inspiring the fantastic work that uh, you're doing and this album is just fabulous last question for you then um what what are some of your uh, your hopes for f for this album as it as it, you know it's it's only just come out uh, you're on tour right now. I know that's not. This is not the Dominion tour. I'm sure that will come later. It's a different tour. But um, what uh, what would be some of your hopes as you as you think about this album and you think about it being played in people's homes, especially? I'm thinking of young people, you know, in their cars, in their trucks, uh, and uh, you know, wherever people are when they're listening to this kind of music. Um, what would be what would be what are your hopes for what's going to go on uh, through this album? What's going to happen in people's hearts and so on? Any 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 things that you're really looking for? To asking the Lord for a kind of future testimony here. Mm, absolutely, um, and and by the way, when you said wherever people listen to this, you forgot the number one place: the gym. Really, that's that's where people <laughs> listen to Skillet. They they turn Skillet on at the gym. That? And they get they get all angry, but in a good way. And they, they start, start pumping iron. 
<laughs> they, they start rolling yeah. out. They get swole up. That's right. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they get all swole. Ryan knows all about it. He, they, they can, they can right. tell he's 130 pounds dripping wet. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Who could um, bench more, Ryan or Joe? I wonder. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's go test it. <laughs> Skill it in the background. Yeah. Sounds good, <laughs> man. You know, um, my, my first goal is honestly not, not anything crazy. And I know, once again, I know that not all Christians get excited about this, but I personally do. My first goal is this. I want people that don't know Jesus, are not interested in Jesus, are not interested in church, have never thought about philosophy or theology. I want them to enjoy the music. And I sometimes... That doesn't seem like a real supernatural goal, but that's step one to me. It's music that makes them feel good. It's music that makes them go to the gym and, and lift and, and have a good time, go on a drive, go on a run, and it gives them hope. And while we all know that hope is found in Jesus Christ, right? But I still want people who don't know Jesus, I want them to have a better day. I want them to have a better year than last year for crying out loud. I still want them to have um, some sort of authority over whether or not they have to put a vaccine in their body just to keep a job. You know, I want that sort of hope to, to, to enter people's minds when they listen to the music. But that absolutely drives to a much deeper prayer that I have. And it is that they will begin to wonder where that hope comes from. And I get to share that in interviews. Sometimes people in mainstream interviews, they say, John, your music is so inspiring and you're so optimistic. Where does all this optimism come from? They ask me that all the time. And I get a chance to tell them, well, I'll tell you where the optimism comes from. It's not just because I just generally feel good about the future. It's that I know no matter what happens in the future, my life is hidden with Jesus Christ. I know whatever comes, it's a win-win for me because even in my death, I am victorious because I will live forever with Jesus Christ. I mean, that is an incredible message for people to hear. So I think I, I sometimes remind Christians, especially maybe parents that, that aren't as familiar with like modern life that their kids are growing up with, these young people, they don't just listen to music like we did when we were young. If they like a song, they go onto social media. They want to know what those rock singers or pop singers, they want to know what they eat for breakfast. You know, they want to know what kind of movies they like. They want to know what kind of spiritual thing that they're into. In other words, if people like the music, they are going to find out what's at the heart of the music because it's everywhere. It's so ubiquitous. So my ultimate hope is yes, People are going to want to know where that inspiration comes from. And then my last hope, which is much greater on this record than I've had in the past, to be honest, because of the moment, I hope that a lot of Christians hear this and begin to understand what some of the songs are about. And the Christians realize that we, we should have a voice into the world with what's going on. I think a lot of wonderful, wonderful Christian people who I very much look up to. Uh, I think that they are pietistic in their beliefs, but, but they are godly men, godly women, absolutely love Jesus. They just don't think we should be involved in whatever's happening in the world with mandates and with abortion issues and what you guys are dealing with, with your uh, conversion therapy ban in Canada and just happening now as I've learned from you guys in the UK. 
there's a lot of great meaning Christians that think, well, we don't want to be involved in that. And they just are not understanding what we reform people love, which is it, it's going to be Christ or it's going to be chaos. And if we don't get involved, it's going to get really, really bad. But God wants to use us. And those messages are in the record. You don't have to look very far to hear those messages, especially in the title track, Dominion. And I really hope the Christians get fired up and they realize that, that if we all rise up to do our job, we will see something amazing happen in the earth for the gospel. We will see people come to Christ because once they understand, you know, I was reading Kuiper recently and Kuiper had written how basically it was Calvinism is what actually saved his life. And by Calvinism, he didn't mean what we think of as tulip, <laughs> but what he meant for Calvinism was basically what we might call sphere sovereignty and what we might, he called the program, the program for life. Right. And when I read him say that it gave him hope for life, it's because he understood, Oh, this is how authority works. And when you flow in that authority, what the author E. Stanley Jones called the seed of the kingdom of God, what we call sphere sovereignty and, and, and yada, yada. Oh man, there's so much peace. And I hope that Christians here, I don't know if they'll hear that message on the record, but I pray that they do. Mm-hmm. Well, John, we love it, and uh, we uh, we're so thankful for you and your ministry, and we really appreciate the fact that you've given up uh, some of your very precious time to uh, to join us today. And uh, we'll be praying for the, the the success of this of this album, um, and uh, you know that it will that it will go far and wide and impact uh, a lot of people. The mm-hmm. the message of the gospel, the message of hope, the message of freedom and uh, the authority the, the necessity of Christ's authority um in our lives and so um we're grateful for you thank you so much John for uh, for joining us today we really appreciate it and John we look forward to joining you in person someday yes. lord willing yeah yes Yes, we need to make that happen. Well, I want to say a a special thank you, not just for doing the podcast, but my band instructed me to make sure I tell you guys, thanks for what you do. My my whole band is is now becoming very well read on um, monographs. He's nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> They're learning all sorts of vocabulary words. And, uh, but my, my band is all really uh, loving everything you guys are doing. So I was instructed prior to the interview, make sure you tell Joseph Boot hello from the band. So thanks for what you guys and, and uh, the Ezra Institute are doing. It, it really well, makes Listen, difference. love to you and give our love to all of the band. We're rooting for you. Skillet's getting I will. dangerouser and dangerouser. Keep at it. We'll see yeah. you soon in person for sure. Yeah. God bless, John. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, that really was such a great uh, discussion with John. I, I so appreciate him. He's He's got such a genuine heart for the Lord, mm-hmm. and uh, it's clear that he's brought a lot of theology into his new album, Dominion, and I, I think that's where we should... Uh, that's where we should uh, lead our discussion following the interview is this concept of dominion. Yeah, and, it's, uh, uh, it's kind of normal or at least more common to see you know, people, successful people in the public eye get further from Christian roots mm-hmm. if they have. That's right. But that's uh, right. We see, that's a good point. We see uh, John, and it sounds like the whole band skillet are getting uh, sort of just <laughs> Trent dug in and... Uh, 
growing in mm. you know, theological sophistication and zeal for the Lord. Yeah. And that to that in itself is such an encouragement. And, in, yeah, and to see it enhancing their writing is mm. uh, mm-hmm. is is really interesting. That's actually a, a good point when you mentioned that, Ryan, that um, so often the trajectory is the other way yeah. with, with Christians in the arts. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they get in there and they go in with often with good intentions. And then somehow along the way, they start to drift mm-hmm. and uh, compromise sets in and they seem to lose the clarity of their uh, message. And um, But it seems that... Uh, you know, well, John is and Skillet are living proof that actually mm-hmm. that can move in, in 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 the other direction. That's you can right, actually yeah. become more robust in your Christian world and life view that can shape your writing, your your ministry in a in a profound way. And look at this success that they're having uh, over so many years now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know God's honoring that, right? And that's uh, that's got to be encouraging for for Christians who are you know in the arts mm-hmm. and uh, trying to take a trying to take a message out. I thought it was very interesting that he talked about in that last sort of major hope for the album is that it really will have people, have Christians in particular, engage mm-hmm. uh, and, and be applying their faith right. into the, uh, you know, that, that, that actually hope and victory, right. you know, these things are you know, And that again brings us, back, brings us back to the concept of dominion. And of course, sometimes people hear that word, they think, oh, dominionism. <laughs> and uh, it's it's actually much like the term theonomy that has become a bit of a boogeyman term. <laughs> you said that. Joe's hiding that. You got, hiding so under you the got desk. into some trouble for <laughs> writing a book about theonomy or yeah, yeah. saying something about it. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. It wasn't actually a book about theonomy. It was a book about the lordship of Christ. Well, and how dare the you write a book about the kingdom of law. God? Yeah, that's right. God's <laughs> law is a part of that. Um, I well, mean, you're right. Was, maybe that was missed. This word <laughs> wasn't nuanced enough, perhaps. Um, the the, uh, the 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 reality is that uh, um, the word dominion is sometimes you know misconstrued, or it, or it, it comes laden with this mm. idea of uh, you know, like you say, it's a scary word. Yeah, right. You know what? It, what, what the dominionism, dominionist. You know, you put the ism or the ist on the end, and mm-hmm. it suddenly. Uh, a scary word, and and people have images of sort of um, uh, uh, sort of bearded priests from Geneva, uh, looking like um, you know Theodore Beza marching through uh, uh, the corridors of um, Parliament or mm. or the or the or the U.S. Congress to uh, to establish a, a theocracy. Theocracy. It's um, another one of those words. <laughs> yeah. In uh, in America or or, or or wherever Europe or whatever it might be, and and so you have this kind of like this this sort of apparently terrifying image of these um of these uh, robed bearded uh, uh, reformers um, mm-hmm. marching down the uh, the corridors of power with Bibles under their arms, ready to impose their uh, will again on, on an unwilling people, mm-hmm. and that's just unfortunately the sort of bizarre uh um misconstrual of um you know what the bible means by dominion and uh interesting to, to draw the distinction must be drawn between dominion and domination there's no there's no commission to dominate in uh scripture that you have to tread on mm. you know kata in the greek they're down to hold down to to stand on others um it's a it's a calling of service, 
And, uh, you know, when you look in, in uh, Genesis, you see, I mean, fundamentally and foundationally, you know, this is where the, the, the heart of John's album is coming from. Mm-hmm. In uh, Re- Re- Genesis 1 and 27 and 28, uh, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. And uh, so you have what theologians often call the dominion mandate or the cultural mandate to um, to subdue, to rule, uh, later to, to tend and to keep yeah, within the context of God's creation. Mm-hmm that that is uniquely the the human task and that it's um it's it's service to the lord it's as a vice gerent i avoid even the term vice regent now because we're not um uh, a king who rules alongside we're those who serve under mm-hmm. uh and so we we're given a a task uh as image bearers to represent to represent mm-hmm. the will the purpose the the goals um the desires of god for creation we're we're to represent those we're to image those to creation so righteousness holiness dominion that's the image of god in man and we we represent to creation god's will and purpose that's what it means to be truly um a faithful servant of the kingdom to thy will be done thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and actually, this is this this is restated poetically in Psalm eight. That's right. Which is a you know a neglected psalm. Um, when uh, the the psalmist David here is magnifying the Lord, and he says, "You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries, in order to silence the enemy and the avenger." When I observe, that's interesting there, actually, isn't it? That um, it's the uh, it's it's children, it's infants uh, that that through the mouths of these little ones, uh, strength is being established. God's strength is being made manifest and established. So there you mm-hmm. have, of course, the, the centrality of family, of the teaching mandate, the, uh, the, and of course, the entrance into the kingdom is that you have to be like a child. And then the psalmist says, when I observe your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is a human being? Or what is man? Some of the Mm -hmm. older translations render it that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. So you have this beautiful restatement of the dominion calling and mandate. And who is the true dominion man? Well, the one who actually fulfills this psalm, Psalm 8, perfectly, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The last Adam who uh, comes to redeem for himself a people as the head of a new humanity uh adam was supposed to take dominion in obedience christ comes as the as the son of man and son of god um 
made a, uh, a little less than the, some translations say a little lower than the angels there, but actually the, the text actually says a, a little, uh, you, you made him a little less than God. So human beings as image bearers, even Christ in his humanity takes that humble position, Philippians 2. He humbles himself in his humanity. So he's fully man, he's fully God, and he fulfills perfectly the dominion mandate. Uh, he's the fulfillment of Psalm 8, uh, in its in its perfection, and you see Jesus in remarkable ways, of course, in miraculous ways, taking dominion. Mm. Um, he turns water to wine. Right. And he stills the storm. He commands healings of the lepers and the blind, and so on. Now, of course, there are certain things here that are completely unique to the Lord Jesus Christ as Son of Man and Son of God. But in all of his life and his being and his activity, he was the truly obedient son. He's the true dominion man. And uh, we as believers in Christ are being conformed to the image of his son, right? That's That's what's happening to us as believers. We're being conformed to Christ's image. So if he's the true dominion man and we're being conformed to his image, what are we? We're being restored to the that calling uh, that was given to our first parents to rule and subdue in terms of the kingdom of God, in terms of the will and purposes of God. So, and I think this is a good corrective, and I think it comes out in some of the songs that John records there on this album, Dominion with Skillet, is that uh, our, our, our Christian faith does not end with, it doesn't terminate upon my personal forgiveness of my sins. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I now have been delivered right. from the power of sin and death, and that we've been delivered from the power of sin and death, we've been justified by faith, we've been redeemed for a purpose. Right. Right. We've been restored, we've been reconciled, reconciled, we've been redeemed, we've right. been reborn to be in Christ, dominion people. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could argue, I think, quite well, effectively, that Matthew 28 where Jesus is the dominion man, the, the fulfillment of Psalm 8 says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Right. Therefore, you, because you're now in Christ, you're an, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Therefore, you go right. and disciple the nations, mm-hmm. teaching them everything I've commanded you. So you can see an echo of the cultural mandate uh, in Matthew 28. Mm-hmm. So you got Genesis 1, you got Psalm 8, you got Matthew 28, mm-hmm. which then sends us out to disciple all of the nations, in fact, all creation. Um, there's, a, there's a mandate there to go out in Christ's total authority uh, and uh, disciple nations. And of course, in Hebrews, the scripture tells, tells us that, that everything has been put under his feet, that everything has been brought into subjection to Christ. We don't see it all subjected yet because that process of subjection is just that, a process. So that's one of the marvelous themes of the Bible, actually, that this album uh, has picked up on. Right, yeah. So this is a dominion that goes far beyond the institutional church. And it it was great to hear John talk about when he's drawing inspiration as he's uh, crafting his lyrics. He, He mentioned freedom, liberty, thinking about people that are alone and isolated, kids that have been having to wear a mask at Mm -hmm. five years of age and people that feel they need to inject something into their body in order to keep their job. Uh, He's not just writing lyrics uh, uh, 
focus solely on doctrine or issues mm-hmm. of the institutional church. It really just blows up the idea of a truncated gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, and it's great to see, you know, the, the these artists, you know, grappling with that right. and pushing that uh, vision forward through their own through their own work in ways that you know will get to people that you know we can't ever reach, right? Uh, or, or or wouldn't be able or wouldn't wouldn't be able to reach, right? Um, and so if 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 through this album and you know we, we of course we recognize that the sort of heavy rock of skillet is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I don't think my mum's probably going to be going to be moshing to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are lots of uh, there are lots and lots of people that are and uh, and as he said, you know, at the gym when they're when they're when they're working out mm-hmm. to to begin to get this sense of what it means to be a dominion man or woman. Right. Uh, to to have a, a calling a gospel calling within culture to, to be building kingdom culture, gospel mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. in terms of the will and purposes of God, reflecting that image back to creation. Right. Um, and seeing the fullness of that gospel start, start to unfold in their lives. It's, it's just very exciting. I think for yeah, us as really well is. as, as yeah. a ministry to oh, see absolutely. that it's not just um, pastors and, mm-hmm. and academics that are beginning to really grapple with this right. and take a lot of this on board. It's, it's to see people in the arts doing yeah. it of the mm-hmm. stature of, of John Cooper and his fabulous band there mm-hmm. is just such an encouragement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nate, you just mentioned it and uh, John, what John talked about, about how he he's writing these things and pulling out these themes for people in what is a, a difficult and dark right. season right. in uh, like at the civilizational level. Mm-hmm. And he's he's coming out with an album called Dominion right. that's mm-hmm. uh, that's explaining and uh, holding forth the crown rights of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, maybe you can just uh, get in on that as well. How do how do we reconcile the that all authority in heaven on earth belongs to King Jesus and the time that we're in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we can end with this thought. I think as a good, uh, good, good way to conclude. Um, I think sometimes we misunderstand when, when we, when we, when we recognize biblically that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to Christ. Um, if we expect that what that means is uh, a sort of graph that has a has a um, a straight line, mm-hmm. the heading sort of. Straight triangular on to the upward. Yes, to the upward, and the sort of some some sort of uninterrupted uh, progress to to, to glory. Right. Um, we've misunderstood uh, the activity of God in history. Um, that the, the the kingship and the rule of Christ does not mean that um, everything's a bed of roses for Christians, and the the, the culture is always going to be moving in the in the right direction. Because actually, part of Christ's kingship and rule uh, means that He is bringing His judgments upon the earth, and Scripture is absolutely full of that. Uh, that um, He is the ruler of the kings of the earth, and and He and in, of course in Psalm two, where the rulers and the judges are commanded, "Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way." For His wrath is quickly kindled, but blessed are those who take refuge in Him. So, if you kindle the king's wrath. Uh, in the culture, there is a price to pay for that, mm. and um, our culture is paying it, and Western culture has been has been paying it for some time. But but God's judgments biblically are something to be welcomed by God's people, because even though they may be very difficult to live through and a challenge to live through, 
when God is judging something, he's sweeping it aside to replace it with something else. No, judgment and mercy always come together. Hmm. Right? In wrath, that's why we have the prayer in Scripture, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. Yeah. Because when because God's judgments are part, his righteous judgments are actually part of his blessing in our lives, right? Imagine a world without judgment, a world without justice, a world without any um, of God's active presence to hold nations over the long haul to account. Doesn't mean we see in every situation, in every particular uh, moment, in every particular case or issue facing a culture that you see God bringing about perfect justice in that moment. No, perfect. The last judgment is all about the establishment of perfect justice. But it is quite, quite clear. It's crystal clear throughout history, uh, throughout Scripture, that God is constantly bringing uh, His righteousness and justice to bear in the nations. Scripture says, "Righteousness exalts a nation; sin is a reproach to any people." That's right. And Paul, of course, even warns churches too. Not just nations, uh, not just nations are warned in the Bible. Churches are warned. Look at the book of Revelation and the warnings issued to the, the seven churches about Christ's judgment in the church. And of course, Peter reminds us, judgment begins at the house of God. So that's the first, pl- first place we should expect to see it manifest in the life of the church. We are in a time of judgment in the churches and we're in a time of judgment in the nations. And... Uh, that is a, as John kind of alluded to in his interview there, it's an unsettling time in one respect. It's kind of frightening to be, as he said, writing his songs at this kind of moment, but it's also, it is also a remarkable opportunity. It's mm. a time, it, it, there's a, perhaps there's a receptivity um, out there uh, that we haven't seen in quite some time um, because of this, the, 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 the judgment of God uh, upon the nations and, and thank goodness for it mm-hmm. thank the lord that he is active to to bless and judge he he raises up kings the scripture says he sets down kings i mean look at mary's magnificat mm-hmm. uh, he pulls down the princes mm-hmm. from from their thrones mm-hmm. um it's one of the reasons why the many of the european princes didn't want mary's magnificat as part of the liturgy uh he, here was a king who was going to pull down certain rulers he ra- raises up kings he 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 puts others down and the book of Daniel, of course, is full of that. And so um, let's remember that, you know, even when times are tough, the uncut stone that Daniel saw mm-hmm. shatters the pagan idols, the pagan state, the pagan idols of man, and, it, and it, it grow, he sees it grow to fill, to become a mountain and fill the whole earth. Mm. And uh, so that's, a, that's a, I think, an encouraging note to end on. This kind of mm. where... John ended really, which That's is, you know, right. how have you got so much hope and optimism? They mm-hmm. ask him, yeah. how, you know, why have you always got such, um, uh, you know, hope for the future and optimism for the future? And he says, well, it's ultimately it's rooted mm-hmm. in Christ. Right. And he is our rock. He's our salvation. Amen. Well, that's a great place to wrap up uh, for today. And uh, Joe Ryan, thanks for the conversation. Thanks so much to John Cooper for joining us for today's podcast. You can pick up, uh, Skillet's new album, Dominion, and I think, Ryan, we've got uh, John's book in our, our store, is that right? We do, uh, Awake yeah. and Alive to Truth. Awake and Alive to Truth. We've got, uh, we've got a few copies at, uh, at Ezra Press still. Great. And, uh, and you can check out his podcast, uh, Cooper Stuff, as well. It's a great podcast that John has, and uh, that's all for today. So this has been the podcast 
for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute, reminding you that from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory.